Hello everyone, Anita Tolliver here. I am a part of the Racial Reconciliation Team and welcome to our first ever podcast. Yay! <laughs> Just a little about myself. I've been a member of Taylor's about 22 years. In that time, I've served in various ministries in many capacities, but being a part of the Racial Reconciliation Team has been different for me. When I was initially approached, I said yes, because... You know, that's what you say when you're asked to do something at church, right? Well, after the first meeting, I realized that given the current climate, maybe this was not what I needed to be doing. So I really had to ask the Lord to search my heart. This wasn't going to be like any ministry, you know, where you show up, you're asked to do something, you say yes, you do it, and then you go home. Being a part of the uh, racial reconciliation team, and I had to share my heart. I had to have hard conversations, and I had to trust the other people on the team. And most of all, I had to be vulnerable. And I just wasn't sure about that. But I have to say that after a year of us meeting and talking, we have a great team. We do trust each other, and we do have those hard conversations. And and it's been great. I'm excited to see how the Lord uses the team and what he we are even able to accomplish outside of the walls of Taylor's. But today I'm super excited about something else that God has done, something he's nurtured for years. Um, in today's world, there's a magnification on the differences that exist between people. Today, I get to speak with four of my very good friends. The world will call us an unlikely group of friends. Some of our obvious differences are age and race, and less obvious are socioeconomic status, marital status, and education. Today's culture loves to categorize and separate people based on these things alone. The truth is that the similarities that we share far outweigh the differences, and these differences bring a rich layer of diversity to our friendship. The greatest and most unifying similarity among this group is our love for Christ and our pursuit to follow him fully. As sisters in Christ, we have moved beyond what is comfortable and familiar to form a friendship and sisterhood that has allowed us to become a small reflection here on earth of great unity we will one day see in heaven. Through the years, we have laughed, cried, and loved each other through the triumphs and challenges of life. We hope by sharing the journey of our friendship, we can encourage others to build relationships with others who differ from them. But before we get started, I'd love to ask my friends to introduce themselves and share a fun fact. So I'm going to start with Diane. Thank you, Anita. I'm Diane Greer, and it's hard to think of a fun fact, but... I traveled for five and a half years after college with a singing group, and we traveled across the country. It was a great time living out of a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Stacy Burnett, and we decided I have no fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you that I've um, been at Taylor's my entire life. I'm kind of like a legacy member. My parents uh, went here. My mother grew up on Main Street Taylor's. Um, and joined in 1932 wow. at eight years old. Wow. So, And I am Lori Houston Birkins, and my fun fact is that I was um, a professional actor for many, many years, and I still think I'm still an actor. I'm, you know, just on a little hiatus, but <laughs> um, I was in a movie, or my mom likes to say Denzel Washington was in a movie with me. So... <laughs> 
That's my fun fact. <laughs> my name is Renee Morton. Um, I'm like Stacy. I could not come up with a great fun fact, but um, after talking with my friends, we decided <laughs> that um, something I love to do is create um, peaceful places in my backyard. And if you come to my house, I will invite you to my patio because that's where <laughs> I love to hang out with my flowers and just uh, creating a peaceful space. And it is a fun fit yes, space indeed. Is. And we all love sitting in the Adirondack chairs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, in my opening, I said that the Lord had really blessed this friendship and it's been nurtured for many years. So I want to ask Renee to talk about how this all came to be. So share with us. Well, um, in February of 2010, uh, we had an interim pastor here at Taylor's First Baptist. His name was Steve Cloud. And he introduced um, a new initiative or whatever you want to call it um, for our church called Growth Teams. He had a sermon series that was going along with this. And our growth team um, consisted of three people. And in this case, it began with myself and Anita and Diane. A little later on, we added um, Lori and Stacy. Um, all of these ladies had one thing in common, and that was we um, are a part of the worship ministry of our church. And the commitment of this group was to meet together once a week. And um, the purpose for the group was to share what God was teaching us through his word or through books we were reading or um, just anything we wanted to share with each other that would be good discussion topics. Um, we talked about how to build relationships with others and how to share the love of Christ with others. And then probably most importantly was to encourage one another and pray for one another. Um, the friends sitting around this table um, were brought together by a common interest, um, which was, first of all, we're all followers of Jesus. Um, and then, like I said earlier, in, in the other cases, we had a common um, thing that we loved and partic participated in together, which is music and leading people to worship. Um, so as a result of this meeting regularly together, we shared life together, good and bad. We cried together. Um, we studied God's word together. We learned about each other's background, which was very interesting because as Anita said earlier, we all come from just different parts of the country, different walks of life. We grew up some with parents, some not with parents. Um, it's just been very interesting to, um, to learn from each other. Um, this scripture, as I was thinking through this, kind of sums up this circle of friends that God put together in a very special way. We all help to do what we know we should do when we commit ourselves to encourage one another, and that's out of Hebrews 10. Now, and speaking of um, learning, me learning to trust people, that's one of the things I've never really uh, been very good at, but I have to say, um, when I was going through maybe one of the biggest crises of my life, I can remember calling both Lori and Renee early in the morning because where did we meet ladies? 
coffee. Mm-hmm. But what's the place? Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> so that morning, it, it had to be before 9 o'clock, I told them I needed them to meet me at Starbucks. Neither one of them had probably rolled out of bed yet, but I need you to know they were there. Mm-hmm. And we were some ugly women that morning because we <laughs> cried and we prayed. And if you were in Starbucks on that day, can I just apologize? <laughs> <laughs> but I needed my friends and that just happened to be the place. So I am very, very thankful for them. And that was just one occasion. Um, and Lord, there've been so many more. Um, well said. Yes. <laughs> well said. Good job, Anita. <laughs> but I, another, this is another little interesting factor just in our group. We have Lori, who is from Utah of all places, and Diane, who is a white female. Wait, I got to tell you, you may not know this, but Lori is a woman of color who grew up in Utah. <laughs> um, and before I met Lori, I have to say, I never knew any people of color from Utah. We're everywhere. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> We're like God. We're everywhere. Okay. Right? Fair enough. So, and Diane is a white woman from Louisiana who grew up in the 50s, which means she's a little bit older than us, but that's okay. Yes. Um, so, I need each of you, or what I'd love for each of you to do is talk about growing up in those parts of the United States, how... Um, what that was like, like in your home, in your community, what that looked like and how you've grown since that time and how God has used all of those uh, experiences to bring you where you are today. Anita, I was born (laughs) in Northwest Louisiana. Now you probably don't have a clue as to where I was actually born, Mm -mm. but that's okay. Okay. (laughs) Probably one of the greatest things that's come out of us talking about doing this podcast is talking with my 91-year-old mother Mm -hmm. about asking her about conversations we may or may not have had as I was growing up. And Anita, you know, posed some great questions for me to pose to my mother. Um, as Anita said, I grew up in the 50s. I was born in 1950. I think I probably lived a very sheltered life. Um, and I was the youngest child that had ever attended the First Baptist Church of Menden. I was like a week old and they processed me down the aisle and introduced (laughs) me to everybody. That's really embarrassing. But, um, all I ever knew growing up was church. Mm. We were there every time the doors were open. Um, all of my friends were friends that went to either our church or the Methodist church. But we all had similar backgrounds. Um, and when Anita and I talked about, did you have brown friends? And I said, well, not really, but I was around brown people a lot. My grandfather was a building contractor, and he had people that worked for him. Um, There were times when my mom was sick, and we would have someone come and either stay with us or help us because mother couldn't do what she needed to do. And I came to appreciate a different culture than mine from those people, Um, The first time that I ever really sensed that there may be 
any kind of antagonism between races was when I was older, more when I was in junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. And desegregation in North Louisiana took place in the early to mid-60s. And actually, the first day of desegregation in my high school, and I was in the 10th grade, was January the 17th, 1966. Mm. And it was one family. And it came all about from a court order. And it was, you know, it was supposed to be so much like you see during all of the the racial tensions back in those times, but it was not that way in Minden. Um, those children came to school, everybody said, hey, and we just went on, you know? Um, so I don't remember there being anything that would be newsworthy, mm-hmm. you know, that you would have a news crew there and they would be yeah. taping. Um, because if there were people that did not agree with that, they were not real outspoken about it, at least not my age group. Mm-hmm. But when I became close friends with people of uh, another culture, another race, really was more when I was in college. And so when you go to college, of course, you find lots of different ethnic groups coming in, whether it be people from India or Asian people or brown people. You know, one of my very best friends, I told mother the other day, I said, you never knew that she and I exchanged clothes all the time. (laughs) And she said, I did wonder where those came from. But those became some of my closest friends. And I feel very blessed to have been able to know someone that was different than me. And not different inside, just different from life experiences. Uh, And one of my sweetest friends who sang at my wedding, everybody calls her Miss Chocolate. She was (laughs) a missionary for the Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans. And she just wrote a book recently, and I've been reading it, and I thought, she never shared all those things with me. I wish I had known. I told Anita, I wish we had talked about that Mm -hmm. because of the hurt that she experienced at some point in her life because of that. And I never experienced that. Mm. And I'm sorry if y'all did. Hmm. <laughs> I really am. Thank you, Di. Thank you. Um, oh, is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Lori. So, like Anita alluded to, I there are not a lot of black people in Utah. So we we moved to Utah from Florida when I was eight years old. My dad's job transferred us there, and um, it was immediate culture shock because I was black. Baptist and a female and Utah is not big on any of those things (laughs) so um to say the least it was not always pleasant and I'm we moved there in 1988 and I graduated from high school in 1996 and those years were probably some of the most difficult for me because you know I was Um, My sister and I were probably, you know, one of 
four in elementary school, four other mm. um, black students. Then when you got to middle school, there was probably another five. High school, you probably got up into the high 20s. Um, but that culture there, not being exposed to a lot of people of color, um, I dealt with a lot of racism mm. that people wouldn't think would happen in 1988 or yeah. 94, 90, but the N word was thrown around frequently. Um, my parents um, are professionals and they were very active in the community. But my, I remember my dad running for the local chapter of the NAACP and um, the Klan which is like, you can't even believe this, but the Klan threatened him. And I remember, um, you know, us having to call the police and have them, you know, monitor our home. And um, I remember also one very scary moment was when um, I used to dance and we used to tour and we did like an African dance troupe and we went to Colorado to go perform for Black History Month at a university in Colorado. And the Klan came out then and they had to shut the, do a lockdown on the school. Mm. And I remember my mother and sister were at another location. So I was separated from them. So I had no idea what was going on and it was terrifying. And um, just, you know, people don't believe it when they see me, but I had to physically fight people because of being called or chased or, you know, whatever was happening. And I, I remember defending my sister and myself and, um, but I will say this, those experiences were far less than the good. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to process that um, and realize that everybody mm -hmm. was not that way. Right. And so I was angry for a lot of years after that. Um, but God has worked in my heart over the years to help me realize that I can't, the way that they were applying a a general blanket mm -hmm. on people of color. I could not do that to white people. You know, that mm -hmm. just, it, did, it didn't make sense. That does not make it right. So, um, and we're so glad. I know. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing is, my family is filled with all kinds of people. You know, they're Asian, black, white, Hispanic. Everybody's, you know, all, my great grandfather was white. My mother um, is, Technically, I guess, what is that? A third something quarter? I don't know the math. That's not my strong suit. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I never had any issues mm -hmm. with, you know, people out of other races being part of my family mm -hmm. and that kind yeah. of thing. But there were times when I knocked on doors and they, they sent me away because they didn't want me to play with their children. So mm -hmm. that, I mean, that affects you. As a, yeah. as a child, and it, it can make you angry and mm -hmm. make you, you know, hate the world. But thankfully, the grace of God has allowed me to process that and work through that. And the Holy Spirit has um, done wonders yes. on my heart. Yes. Very good. Thank you, ladies. Thank God. You. I'm so glad that we know God and um, we've had to grow over through the years, we haven't all probably always had the relationship that we ha we have with him now. Right. Um, but with our the help of our parents and grandparents, um, it's helped a lot. I know for sure. I can't remember any really bad experiences for me, um, 
and my parents never sat around the table and had conversations that um, made me think any less of a group of people. I just always remember them saying, you have to try harder. You have to try 10 times harder than the next person. And they didn't say who that next person was. And I didn't ask. And I really don't even know to this day what they meant. But I just took that to mean that I always had to give my very best. And, you know, God was very present um, in my home. Uh, and my grandmother always took me to church. I can't say that um, my home was what I would have liked for it to have been from a spiritual standpoint and having that leadership. But I do know at my with my grandparents, I always had that. And I know that shaped me and I was always in church and I knew what the word of God said. And I just love people because I love people just like I do now. <laughs> so thank you, ladies. That was that was great. Um, Stacy. <laughs> so like oh no sometimes we have these Friday nights on my green couch and we talked about you and your job as a teenager at the famous Taylor's skating rink that's right so tell us about soul night first just tell us about the job in general and tell us about soul night and what that looked like okay all right well you know the still there today it functions much the same way I think that it did back then you know we had birthday parties and uh, taught skating lessons and had sessions and uh, churches would come and uh, schools would come and do fundraisers and so we had things set up on different parts different nights and different parts of the week um, Saturdays Saturday nights Sunday afternoons and uh, everybody was always welcome at any, at any time it was open, but Wednesday nights were designated as Soul Night. Now, it's not that the business deemed it Soul Night. The people, there was a local radio station, and I'm pretty sure it was WXYZ, <laughs> um, and they would promote it, and their DJ would come and DJ on that night, and it was primarily brown, black, every shade of color that, that came that night. And, and I have to say, the environment was a little different on that night. It was a little um, more spirited. <laughs> and, and I will leave it at that. Um, but I always had, I mean, I didn't think anything about it. I didn't say, I don't want to work that. It's just another night to get a paycheck, you know. And but girl, did you learn how to dance? <laughs> you know I did. You could dance. But I could skate. <laughs> yeah. But could you bounce but on I your skates? Yes, ma'am, I could. Shoot. I something had to come from this, you know. Yes. No, great music. I mean, my I didn't listen to what people in my high school listened to. They were listening to Top 40. Okay. I mean, I listen to that, too. I love all music. But because that was the environment that I was in most of the time, I couldn't get my music off, you know, Casey Kasem's stop 40. Oh, my. <laughs> you know? So I had to go find the other radio stations and listen to that. And, yes, i not the best dancer in the world, but I could skate. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, let me we ask you. We need to go there. I know. I think we need to have. They do it now. I think that would be fun. 
fun. But let me ask you, so in Taylor's, because I didn't grow up in South Carolina, did you find that um, even on the odd nights when it wasn't soul night that kids would interact together and that seemed to go okay? Yeah, I mean, this was, we're talking um, early to mid-80s. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, it really... Now, I will say, most white people weren't, they were treated on Wednesday nights at the skating rink like they didn't come. They weren't, they were not made to feel welcome. As patrons, I worked there. Okay. They were just kind of ignored or kind of looked at or talked about or kind of, you know. So, they weren't comfortable coming, I think, a lot of the times. Um... And that could be because they knew somebody and there, there was mm-hmm. a reason they didn't want to come. But just typically, they, they didn't come. I had a blast. I'm sure. I, I wish I could have been there, Stacey. I wish you could have been there, too. I think we would have been friends We would have been friends. <laughs> and I would have gotten you off the wall. <laughs> I, the wall. I was working behind the counter. Behind the counter. <laughs> but certainly, you could have taken a break and we could have bounced around. The, we could have bounced. That would have been fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. And um, we probably knew need to do that one night. Just for fun. Just okay. Or at least go, go watch. Go. I know. Mm. <laughs> I'll take you. They have an old time, you know. A, oh, we not, go to old time. Old time. No, old time. <laughs> they were there when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> like a reunion skate. Okay. Uh, okay. We, we can go check that out one night. But. Okay. <laughs> but I will say, I mean, there was not a lot of. Tension. Tension, no. Well, there really good. was not. That's good. That. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you for sharing You're about Soul Night. So, <laughs> Renee. Yes. Tell us about growing up in the metropolis of Chapin. What was that like? <laughs> well, um, Chapin is a small town outside of Columbia. Very small. Um my dad was a pharmacist, and he um, did a lot of things in our little small town. He helped start the fire department and our rescue service there. And um, I did live probably sheltered. I think mm-hmm. Diane mentioned that, um, just kind of my little world. Um, attended with my family, a Lutheran church there. Um, our schools were very small because Chapin was tiny. And... Um, I remember there being people of color in our schools. I don't remember issues, and I don't know if I just, again, was just very sheltered. I had brown friends. Um, there was a family in Chapin who, um, they're called, their names are the Prices, and they um, had a big family, and they ran the dry cleaners there across from the fire department, and my house was in the little downtown of Chapin, so we were all friends. We rode bikes together. I mean, it was just just that little small-town atmosphere. So okay. I have good memories. Well, that's um, good. I think I've driven through Chapin. Yes. I think. It's grown. Yeah. It's right, yeah. <laughs> it, it sits right at Lake Murray, so the lake draws a lot of people there. Okay. Now, you and I have been friends longer than anybody else at this table. And we've we've just had some special times and we have lots of memories. And I think even when I when I 
became a part of the choir. Maybe I even sat next to you first. Yes. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I've been since we started talking about this. I've tried to think back. We both sing second soprano, so we were there. And I do think we started sitting together. And my guess is that was 18 years ago. We were trying to figure this out, remember? Oh, yeah. And so my guess is it was around 18 years ago, um... Our, we both have sons mm-hmm. named Josh, mm-hmm. and um, they are the same age. So I, I feel like the conversation started in choir with just those things. What, what do you yeah. have in common with that person? Um, we were, I'm a little bit older than you, but mm-hmm. we had children mm-hmm. the same ages, and we loved music, so we were in there. Um, we discovered eventually that we loved coffee, so oh, we started <laughs> headed after choir rehearsal. We would um, head to Starbucks and just hang out. And um, now I don't know, was a Starbucks there 18 years ago? We may, well, maybe we went somewhere else for coffee. Yeah, it eventually ended up at Starbucks. I mean, yeah. that was. But um, we would just get Randall's coffee. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was Bob's coffee at that time. <laughs> but um, we eventually just got to know each other, and um, I was very much drawn to your honesty, the open dialogue we would have. Um, but I always had like a, a three question max that anybody could ask. That's me. right. I still That's hold right. true to that. Yes. But, but we still became really good friends <laughs> because as we got to know each other more, you learned more. I allowed you in more. That's right. Three questions right. only over the friendship or at the At time. that time, <laughs> at the init- initial meeting, okay. you get three. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I think and the other thing is she just laughs all the time. Yes. And I, I'm drawn to that. Um, I don't. I can't remember what was happening in my life at that time except to say that I needed... A friend and God um, directed us together or brought us together, and um, it didn't matter um, what color you were or what color I was. We just connected in common ground. Mm-hmm. Um, our love for Jesus being the primary thing, and then it, from there, it just kind of yeah blossomed. Um, we our families got close. You're. Mm-hmm. Uh, your girls, even today, if they can't find you, they call me. Oh, Renee. <laughs> Renee is definitely like the second mom to my girls and um, and Chuck, uh, like the dad. I mean, it doesn't matter. We had a recent crisis and I couldn't be there to handle it. And there was Renee and Chuck to step in. So I'm like so grateful to have them in my life. And we've traveled to New York, and we've done choir stuff. And now you know you can't travel with everybody, but I can travel with Renee. <laughs> and we've done other trips. Yes, and ladies, not to leave you sure out. We have done trips to, we Charleston. went to Charleston. Charleston yeah. And, you know, we do our local trips <laughs> to dinner. You know. <laughs> Baltimore. Baltimore, New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And we slept on pews. Oh, yeah, because we've done uh, mission trips. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) But we, yes, we just have an amazing friendship. Um, And again, we don't all necessarily look alike. We don't have 
just everything in common, but we have Jesus. And that is the most amazing thing about our friendship. Yeah. And I want to, I would just say too, you know, just everybody needs somebody and needs mm-hmm. um, a friend. And um, I feel like God has a purpose when he brings people together, even if they're not believers, mm-hmm. um, he has a purpose for that. And and we just have to be faithful uh, when he places that opportunity in front of us to um, to uh, follow that. Mm-hmm. And, That's, true. Um, That's true. Because you never know when, I guess you just never really know what you might have to offer that person or what that person might have to offer you until you actually exchange words. I mean, just because somebody doesn't look like you or, um, I don't know, you just need to be able to approach people. I'm one of those people, I will talk to anybody and I always like to make people feel like I've known them for 20 years. <laughs> um but yeah, just take the risk. Meet somebody, uh, say hello to somebody that you probably wouldn't. I promise you they won't bite. Um, and if they act like they will, then just back up. Yeah, I was going to say step back. Back up. <laughs> that seems simple enough. But I think... And it's good to have someone to be accountable with. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's been good with us, even though we've been in a season of life over the past few yeah. years, yes. year or two that we've not been able to get together mm-hmm. every week. But yeah. a lot of life has happened, but I always know I can call on any mm-hmm. one of you. Yes. If if there's ever anything I need to talk about, cry about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just sit in Renee's chair at the office and cry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that chair has been removed. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And we trust each other. We know yes. that, you know, what we say is safe with each other mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and we love each other. Yeah. We do. We really do. And what I love about Lori, she is so honest. I can go to Lori <laughs> like, you know, she's my little sister and I'm whining. I'm on my soapbox. And she says, and how long are you going to talk about this? Because we need to move we need on. To move on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh. So you don't want to join in on this? <laughs> and, and we all need a friend like that. So that's good. And Renee always comes from a biblical perspective. Um, and that's so sweet. Because <laughs> you need that friend too. Yeah. And Stacy is always like benefit of the doubt. She's gonna like kind of weigh it either yeah. way. She's always fair in that way. And I love that. Is she I love like it. the diplomat. What she is, is. <laughs> the peacekeeper. She the helps us see. I am. I am the eternal optimist. Yes. she helps yes. us see yes. another side. She does sometimes mm-hmm. that we need to see. Yes, and Diane keeps us in check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like mama die. <laughs> at least you didn't say grandmother die. No. Oh, no, 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 not at all. But ladies, this has been so fun, you think? Yeah. 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 Now, but before we go, because this is a part of, you know, racial reconciliation, just like I said, all of us um, have had times or experiences where we needed to uh, share Somebody talk somebody down or when they were, especially with the climate we've been in, just 
angry or heart not in the right place and maybe even not our own heart in the right place. So can I get you just to share uh, a verse of scripture that you had to reflect on yourself or one you may have, you could share with somebody else um, that they can carry away from this. And I'm going to start with Renee. Okay. Um, I will say one of um, my biggest challenges um, is fear. I have fear of lots of things um, over my life, um, and there are reasons for all of that. But um, the the verse that um, I want to share is Isaiah 41.10. This verse really was one that I had to cling to through some difficult days of a cancer journey. Uh, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Thank you. I love that. Mm-hmm. Lori. Okay. So um, the world does sometimes seem like it's on fire. And that's what's being magnified all the time. So I always go back to this one when I, I my thing is worry. I'm a worrier. And um, so I picked Philippians 4, 8. For me to focus on and it says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things yes amen Stacy, what do you have um well this is my favorite verse and it's anytime anyone asks this is my favorite verse because it's applicable in all situations but a especially right now with all the unrest of every sort, Mm -hmm. not just racial issues, but everything that's going on in our world. But um, because this is temporary, this is not our home. And these things that are so troublesome are not always going to be. It's a, it's just a moment in time. So my, my favorite verse is second Corinthians four, 17 and 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Yes. Amen. Amen. I love that one too. Me too. What you got for us, Di? If there's any word that I've had to cling to over a bunch of years, is trust. Because sometimes it's hard to trust people. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when you've been hurt, trust is really hard. Mm-hmm. And it makes you fearful. It makes you when you can't function. So this one is Joshua 1, 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Very good. The one that I have is one that I definitely have to have because, boy, sometimes I just <laughs> let things fly. <laughs> and that's just not okay. So Psalm nineteen fourteen says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I am so glad Jesus loves me. <laughs> Because I always say I'm a work in progress. We all are. Yes. yes. But thank you, ladies. This has been so much fun. Um, and I love you all. We love you. So, thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you.